Well, good morning, church. As the uh, tithes and offering bags are going around, I'd like to encourage you to grab your Bible, uh, an iPad, your phone, and uh, open it up to the book of Haggai. That's great. Thank you, Pastor Michael. Open it up to the book of Haggai. We'll be uh, looking at a reference there here, not too uh, far or down into the sermon. As we prepare to open up God's Word this morning, I want to remind you that we are in the middle of a series called Unfiltered, as we look at 10 snapshots that cover or span the Word of God, that cover His redemptive plan for humanity. Over the course of the past two weeks, we have looked at both the authority and the reliability of God's Word, of which we will be looking at here in just a moment. We have also discovered that God's original intent for humanity was that we are created in God's image and designed to reflect God's image throughout all of creation. Another element that we looked at is, as we've been looking at these snapshots is that sin entered the picture and marred or skewed the image of God through human beings. Last week, we talked about Jesus Christ and the sacrificial lamb, the symbol that the sacrificial lamb would ultimately lead to in Jesus Christ in this this attempt to rescue humanity from the bondages of slavery. And then finally, we looked at the covenant that is available to us as it relates to you and I walking in relationship with God. And we, we took a unique perspective in that the, the covenant isn't a bunch of do's and don'ts for the sake of a, of a God that's sitting in heaven wanting to torture and make life miserable for his creation. But rather, the covenant is a way for us to engage in relationship with God and to position ourselves as a result in the full blessings that God wants to bring into our lives. Now, if you've missed any of these, I'd like to encourage you to get online at eriefirst.org and you have an opportunity to download those and to listen to them. Now, today, we're going to be looking at two more images, which I'm going to admit right up front, on the surface, may seem a little dry. But I can assure you, especially after the word that we received during worship and the time of worship that we have had, I can assure you that the Holy Spirit wants us to center in on these topics today. And I believe that every one of us, if we are willing to open ourselves up to the word of the Holy Spirit and to God's word, can walk out of this place reaching and attaining new heights in our relationship with God. I don't know about you, but I need some of that in my life. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, I thank you for this opportunity that we have right now to open up your word and to allow it to communicate to us. As always, Lord, I'm reminded that your word is alive and active. And so, Father, we come before you this morning saying, allow that word that is alive and active to bear much fruit in our lives today. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. When God originally created Adam and Eve, according to Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, 
It's told to us through the scriptures that God looked over the, the span of creation and said, it is good. There's significance in that because when God originally made creation and before sin entered the picture, in God's eyes, the, the creation that he had just spoke and breathed into being was perfect. And at that point in creation, as God's creation was perfect and sin had not entered into the picture, humanity enjoyed a direct relationship with God. I want you to think about this for a second. Think about being in the Garden of Eden. Sin is non-existent, and it's regular that God is there visiting and walking in the garden, talking with you. That's what was going on prior to sin entering into the equation. But if you recall, Adam and Eve, they chose to sin. Now, we can look down on Adam and Eve, but I've often said that if there had been no sin in all of humanity, up until the point where Jim Dinger was born, that would be the guy that would screw it up for the rest of everybody else. But Adam and Eve, they chose to sin. They were tempted by Satan, who saw the image of God spanning across humanity. Satan saw God's plan of God filling all of creation, and he wanted to put a stop to it. So sin enters the picture. And of course, Adam and Eve, they're tempted, and they choose to sin. And as a result, that perfect relationship with God, that direct relationship with God is broken. And there is a gap in the relationship. It wasn't too far down the road where Cain, product of Adam and Eve, decides that he doesn't like what his brother is doing and bringing before the Lord, and jealousy breaks out, and Cain kills his brother Abel. And from that point on, we see sin just continuing its work in the life of humanity, and the separation between God and humanity getting greater and greater and greater. And as we know, Humanity was never allowed to enter back into the Garden of Eden in that place of created perfection. But praise God, because as we learned last week, God had a plan that he had put into motion that would help bring that relational gap to a close. And through the symbol of the sacrificial lamb, a covering would be given and freedom from the captivity of sin could be realized. Now, some of you I know are saying, Pastor Jim, this isn't new information. I've learned this since I was in Sunday school here. Bear with me. Because this plan, as we see in just a few moments, is going to unfold to where it relates to us today, right here in the month of October 2017. So God's got this plan of bringing a sacrificial lamb that would ultimately signify the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And he brings it into the, the scheme of humanity, and it provides a way of salvation for Israel. Now think about this. Now that Israel has been freed, what do they do? Well, God says, here's now the operational guidelines that I'm going to give you. And we, we talked in depth on this last week, and we said that this came in the form of the covenant, of which Israel could say, okay, there's some boundaries here of which I can operate within my relationship with God. Because freedom is, yes, absolutely vital, but purpose is just as vital. 
and they walk in relationship with God. This brings us now to the image that we're going to cover for the next few moments, the image of the temple. See, the temple is the next logical step, the sacrificial lamb that brings freedom, the covenant that brings the guidelines. And now the temple, because we're operating in the guidelines of which God has given of the covenant, brings and ushers in the presence of God back into the center of our community. The temple. The temple is significant in that it was God's way of communicating to us, to the Israelites especially, that I want to be a part of your life. I want to be a part of your life. I want to be an everyday relationship with you. And through God's amazing plan, he allowed the temple to be a place that was central to society, where humanity could be reminded of God's holiness, where we could be given the opportunity to practice reverence like we've done just here at the altar this morning, where we could bring sacrifices, where we could bring praise and worship, and where we could have a place where, once again, we could connect with God on a relational level. So although the consequence of sin drove us out of the garden, he allowed the temple to be a place in society of which God would once again demonstrate his presence. And of course, the temple would ultimately serve as the precursor to the Acts 2 church of which the Holy Spirit would set on fire. Cool stuff, isn't it? Amen? Now, listen, I want to I wanna tell you in advance here. I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of the, how the temple furnishings were set up. I'm not going to get into the, the, the finer details of how long God instructed the temple to be made and how it was overlaid with gold and how the sacrifices were to be brought. But I believe there are two points this morning that God would have us learn, remember, apply from the temple in our lives. The first is that God was using the temple to demonstrate and communicate his tangible presence in the center of Israel's community, spiritually and physically. In the heart of the community, God was giving them something that they could see, touch, feel, and experience. Through the temple, God was saying, I want to be a part of your life. Listen to how this is presented in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. God speaks to Solomon, King Solomon, after Solomon has dedicated the temple. Listen to God's heart in this passage. I have heard your prayer. I have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer that is made in this place. I will always watch over it and get these words, for it is dear to my heart. 
Was God saying the, the color of the paint on the walls and the, the way that the bricks were formed that day and the steps that led up to the, the temple were near and dear to his heart? No. What he was saying was my relationship with you in the heart of your community is near and dear to my heart. And therefore, I'm going to pay attention when you pray. I'm going to be watching out over you because I care for you and I love you. You see, God was allowing his heartbeat to be felt. God was allowing his heart to be exposed to the people. So the first thing that I want us to remember today is that God wants to dwell amongst his people. The second thing that I believe the Holy Spirit would have us consider this morning as it relates to the temple is that if the community of Israel was to live in the fullness of life, in the fullness of God's spirit through the temple, then the temple was to be at the center of all of life. Say those words with me, all of life. All of life. Let's do it again. The temple, the temple was to be at the center of all of life. God was to be their heartbeat. He wasn't interested in just expressing his heart. He wasn't interested in just demonstrating his heart. He wanted his people to grab hold of his heart and allow his heartbeat to flow through them. God was to be their heartbeat. Now, I'm going to warn you, it's going to get a little bumpy for a few minutes. <laughs> I haven't said anything yet. I remember I, I took a flight from Erie to Detroit, and I know somebody's flying today, and I apologize because I'm going to give you flight fright. But I took a, a flight from Erie to Detroit, and I'll never forget as we got up over the lake, and the, the flight attendant says, folks, it's going to get rough. And when it gets rough, what are we supposed to do? Buckle our seatbelts, right? And it wasn't more than a minute or two past that warning of the flight attendant that says it's going to get rough. And sure enough, I about came up out of my seat and hit my head on the, the, the overhead cabin component that holds all our suitcases and briefcases and carry-ons. And wouldn't you know, whoosh, down comes the oxygen masks, right? It's going to get a little bit rough. But I'm going to tell you in advance because although it might get a little bit bumpy, I don't want you to be like white knuckling and afraid of what's happening because God's already dropped his oxygen mask for you right now to suck in the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God to help you through this. The book of James tells us that when a man looks at his face in the mirror and after he's looked at it, if he goes away and he forgets what he has looked like, then that man that has looked at his face in the mirror and forgets what he looks like, he is a fool. And God says, don't think you're going to receive anything from God if you're going to operate this way. But he says, if the man looks at his face in the mirror and then does something about what he sees, then that man will be blessed by God. So it's going to get a little bit rough for some of us. It may be a little bit challenging. But remember, the Holy Spirit is here and amongst us. 
And his word is going to challenge us. And if we hold on to that word, if we do something with what we see, with what we hear, then we can be blessed in what we do. Are you ready? Got your buckles on? Because here we go. I believe that we need to rediscover a key in our walk of faith today. The key that will bring us a sense of purpose, a sense of accomplishment in God, and a sense of drawing close to where we know and feel the presence of God, where we recognize his presence just like Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. This is where it gets rough. You see, I believe that we are dealing positionally with God. See, the temple in the Old Testament actually took up time and space. It had a physical location. Our temple is what? 8150 Oliver Road. But although it took up a position, a physical location, the hearts of God's people ultimately got used to driving by it and passing on through it without even a casual hello to God. And I believe the same challenge is front of us, in front of us today, where we're okay with knowing that there is a temple called Erie First Assembly located on 8150 Oliver Road, and we know how to GPS and Google Map to get to it, but there's a component of our, our beings that I believe we needed to be challenged with in that are we okay with just leaving God at 8150 Oliver Road on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night and not caring what he's doing the rest of the week? See, this is where it gets rough. Positionally, I believe every one of us in this room would say, yeah, we're so cool with God having a temple here. But relationally, relationally, are we cool with saying, God, I want you to be a part of my everyday life, and I need you to move out of the 8150 Oliver Road format and take up residence right here in my heart? See, when we come to God in this, this format where we leave him on location, we, we have this component in us that can get very casual with God. And what do we do? We turn to God out of a matter of convenience. Oh, my wife is sick. Oh, I need a new job. Oh, I could use more money. God, my car is broken down. I could use some of those guys that are mechanics in the church to come help me out. And we turn to God as a matter of convenience. But once those problems get fixed, we shut the door as we go and we say, okay, God, you stay here and when I'm back, I'll connect with you. You see, Israel was doing the same thing in their relationship. They got used to God being at one temple boulevard in Israel. But they got used to him. They would walk by him day after day after day. And God's clamoring for relationship, but they're like, no, we're too busy, God. We've got our own things that we're doing. But you know what? God saw this in advance. And in 2 Chronicles, there's a word, although it's in the Old Testament, it's got New Testament application, church. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, God is dialoguing with Solomon. He is seeing the potential for humanity to get caught up in convenience. 
He is seeing the potential for humanity to distance themselves in relationship from him. And he calls it out to Solomon. And he says to Solomon this, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 17. As for you, he's talking to Solomon, if you faithfully follow me as David your father did, and if you obey all my commands, my decrees, my regulations, then I will establish your throne or the throne of your dynasty. What's he saying? If you stay in solid relationship with me, you keep me at the center of your life, then life will go well for you. But if we skip down a few verses in verse 19, but if you or your descendants abandon me, what is he saying? If you're drawing away from me, notice it's not God that's going to draw away. It's us. If you or your descendants abandon me and disobey the decrees and the commands that I've given you, what is it? The covenant, right? If you're going to disobey, you're not going to relish that. You're not going to apply that. Then I will uproot the people from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor my name. I will make it an object of mockery and ridicule amongst the nations. And though this temple is impressive now, all who pass by will be appalled. They will ask, well, why did the Lord do such terrible things to this land and to this temple? And the answer will be, because his people abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and where does he bring them? All the way back to Egypt. Who brought them out of Egypt, and they worshiped other gods instead. He bowed down to them. That is why he has brought all these disasters upon them. Whew. Got quiet. Ever been there? Don't raise your hand. But I will raise mine because I've been there. Where I have had the blessings of God in my life, and I got careless, and I have walked away. What is God saying here? He says, I care about relationship with you, daily relationship. I asked you to turn to the book of Haggai. You can reference that now. There's one more passage because I believe that in today's modern church society, we've got some doctrinal issues that we need to clarify. You see, so many times when my pastoral experience has been somebody's coming and they're asking for prayer, they're saying, oh, Pastor Jim, this is broken in my life. Oh, Pastor Jim, I need this in my life. Oh, Pastor Jim, I need this, 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 and that. And then what will happen is ultimately, especially in the charismatic realm, we'll be, we'll be casting out demons and we'll be, we'll be demonizing that and we'll say, oh, there's this black cloud and oh, it's representing this and that. And, but the bottom line is the source of the issue can very well be, and I'm saying can because there is legitimacy to the, the demons and to the spiritual warfare. But most of the time what I see is that the person that needs to be dealt with is standing right in front of me. It's not the demon that's hiding behind the church nursery doors. And so I'll start to ask some probing questions. Well, when's the last time that you heard from God? 
And what are you doing in the area of your daily devotions? And it doesn't take too long to, to find out that they have actually removed themselves from the blessings of God. And God is probably using these situations in their life to get their attention and to get them to the altar. Hey, yeah, chapter one. I love this particular passage. I, I spent three or four months with this passage in one of my grad classes. And I'll tell you what, this passage has changed my life. Haggai chapter 1, God calls out to the nation of Israel. And he says, hey, you've abandoned me. He said, you're worried about building yourselves up. You're worried about your nice house. You're worried about your third vehicle. You're worried about your motorcycle, Pastor Jim. You're worried about your bank account. You're worried about getting into the right country club. You're worried about your kids and the third team event that they're a part of this week. You're worried about all these things of life, but all the while that you're worried about this, you have not given concern or attention to my temple. And so in Haggai chapter 1, God asks a question, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? Now this is not a plea for a building project or a building program here at Erie First. I am not setting you up for that. Maybe eventually I come back to that and we can talk. We're talking about the spiritual right now, the relational houses. And God is saying... Why are you worried about your house when mine's in ruins? Our relationship is in ruins. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you, God says. You've planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Now, this is not a pastor's tip jar up here. Although, I may put it at the back today. What's God saying? He's saying, all you're doing in life, it, it, it's just amounting to nothing. See, I can put all I want, all the effort I want into these pockets but nothing good is happening. Now, if I could actually fit into these pants, I couldn't go down to the ice cream store and get an ice cream cone with what I put in there. But God is saying, you've got all this effort that is going into your life, but you don't feel like you're going anywhere with it. There's holes in your pockets, and there's a reason there's holes in your pockets. It's because you're ignoring the relationship with me. Look at what's happening to you, he says. And just so you can see it in black and white, look in Haggai. Because God says, I'm doing this to you. I'm doing this to you to get your attention. Was it God's fault? In our society today, we're blamed and conditioned, or we're conditioned, excuse me, to blame other people. In all reality, God is saying, I brought some circumstances into your life. 
to get your attention. Okay, take the buckles off. God wants relationship with us. If I were to close this sermon right here, it would be like, ah, where's the hope? <laughs> Let me bring some hope. You see, God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, Amen. to die on a cross. He loves us so much that he says, uh-uh, we're not dealing with animals anymore. That animal served as a symbol. And he loved us so much, he said, okay, we're not dealing with the temple anymore. But rather, I'm going to bring my son, Jesus. And he is going to embody the relationship that I want with you. And he is actually going to walk on this earth with you. And he is going to fill you with my spirit. You see, Israel didn't learn the lesson and for 700 years, they remained into captivity. Not through the initial Egyptian captivity. No, they got God's blessings. They got God's freedom. They got God's release. But they walked away from God, and they put themselves right back into the bonds, into the bondage of sin's captivity. They had pockets with hole in it. But Jesus comes into the picture. And I love this way that Jesus is anointed. He's introduced, as we know, and we'll be looking at this at Christmas in just a, well, a couple more months. In Luke 2, the heavens explode, and they, they preach this most incredible message to us of hope. And in Luke chapter 2, the, the message that is proclaimed is the Savior, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. I love this word because God once again says there's freedom to be had, but there's also opportunity to be had because he is the one who is bringing salvation, but he's also the lordship of our lives. And by the way, he is my anointed one. That's what the word Messiah means. And in John chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, it says this, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. And God sent his Son into the world not to judge it, but to save the world through him. The anointed one had come to this earth to fulfill God's plan of redemption. This time, not for just a group of trapped Israelites in a land of Egypt, but this, this time in a way, in a way that would bring salvation to you and I, in a way that would sew up our pockets so that we could live meaningful, purposeful lives. And Jesus in Luke chapter 4 reiterates God's mission in his life. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That word anointed, that's our next picture that has already come up. That word anointed is that he has been tapped by God himself 
And he is on a rescue mission for you and I. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I don't know if you find yourself in any one of those categories. Yeah, you can praise God for that. Maybe you're feeling oppressed today. Well, guess what? Jesus. Maybe you're blind spiritually today. Well, guess what? Jesus. Maybe you've been feeling like you've been oppressed and you've been in captive. Well, Jesus is saying, it's a time to be free for my favor is here. And God has put Jesus into the mix so that we can once again enjoy the full benefits of a relationship with God himself. Remember, sin enters the picture. The relationship is broken. God is saying, Jesus, I want you here. I need your blood because it is the perfect blood. It is the anointed blood. You are the only one that can redeem this humanity. And Jesus says, not my will, almighty God, but yours be done. And so therefore he comes and he does it. And as Jesus sheds his blood for us, as was spoken of in that vision, the temple curtain is torn from top to bottom. The temple is no longer a vehicle for God's presence, but rather God is saying, I'm coming into you to dwell in your heart and you allow your heart to be a temple for me. That is incredible. Do we understand what it means to allow the Spirit of God to embrace us on the inside? That's what the anointed one did. As I close, in the book of Haggai, God was saying, hey, this is what you've screwed up. You've given more attention to yourself than you have my relationship with you. But God, in his incredible grace, does something. The hearts of the people were stirred up. And it says that they feared God. What does that mean? It means that they, they put God at the top of their priority list. They humbled themselves before God. You know what God did? He didn't make them grovel. He didn't make them beg. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to see how you do for the next 400 years, and then I'll see if I decide to come into relationship with you. It says in Haggai chapter 1, and then even in chapter 2, it says that when the people's hearts were pricked, and I'm paraphrasing, when they decided to fear God, it says that God's Spirit met them. Right then, right there. And what happens? When God's Spirit meets them, he stirs their hearts. And then what happens is, they start through life. They start prioritizing the temple. And all the while in Haggai, it says God's spirit joined them. And God spoke to them. And God gave them promise. And he said, although, essentially, although this, this temple was a wreck, from now on, you're going to see the heavens shake. You're going to see my glory. You're going to see the blessings of relationship come back into your lives. That's what Jesus does. 
the anointed one, the Son of God, coming into our lives if our hearts allow him. I don't know about you, but are you ready today? Are you ready today to say, you know what, God, I I feel like I've got a few holes in my pockets. Are you ready today to say, God, I've been GPSing you for a while and I've been using you as as a convenience store. Are you ready today to to say, God, I haven't fully trusted you and I need to take some steps of faith. Maybe you're in this room right now and you're saying, man, dude, pastor, you're talking about this Jesus, dude. I don't know anything about him. But you're saying he can change my life? I need some of that. And I'd like to know more about this, Jesus. If you're in a position where you're saying, hey, God, I need you to do something with this life. I'm tired of doing it on my own. Would you take it? And would you make it into something beautiful? Would you set this blind person free? Would you give him sight? Would you take this broken heart? and bind it back up, then I'd like to ask you today to make a step of boldness. You see, God didn't withdraw from us. We withdrew from him. So maybe today we could take a step of faith and say, you know what, God, I'm going to come. I'm going to come to this altar and I'm going to make a step towards you. Because that altar is symbolic of your presence. And I want to be filled. I want to be set on fire. I want the anointing that you gave Jesus to fall on me as well. So we sing this song. We're going to open the altar for just that. I'm going to ask the pastors to come forward. Here's the thing. If you want anointed with oil, you just simply raise your hand. And if you could help us out in this. After you've been anointed with oil, just bring your hand back down for a moment so that they know that you've already been been anointed. But then I just want you to just pour your heart out to God. It's not important what I hear. It's not important what this team hears or what your neighbor hears. It is important what God hears. If you're one of those today that says, I need that relationship with Jesus Christ, then when... The pastor comes to anoint you, just whisper, I need to know more about Jesus. And we'll talk to you after this service and introduce you into the greatest decision you will have ever made in life. Are you ready to worship? Let's stand. The altar is open.
thank you for the very breath that you give us. We thank you that we can be in your presence right now. We thank you that you are a God that does not turn his back on his people. We thank you, God, that we can call out to you. We thank you that you are a forgiver of sin. We thank you that you are the God that can speak and create. And therefore, Lord, and I believe this is a word that somebody needs to hear right now, you may have screwed up. You may have screwed up to the point where you feel like you have messed up the creation that God has made you to be. You're, you're feeling like, man, I have this, I've just ruined my life. And you know what? To, to a point, there's a consequence, and there is a, there's a component of that that, yeah, man, it's been a mess for you. But right now, God is saying, I'm willing to breathe into you new life. I'm willing to make you a new creation. Right now, God is speaking to you that that thing that, that looks so ugly can go into the past, but you and I can move forward in a beautiful format because I am a God of creation. And what I speak into existence can be made beautiful, and I am going to make you beautiful today. What the enemy would speak to you that says that you have no value, that you're, you're just like that piece of trash in the, the dumpster, God is saying, no, I see you as a beautiful creation, as somebody who is near and dear to my heart. Now, what you need to do, though, is you need to trust that he is breathing that into your life right now, and you need to hold on to that right now. God is speaking of a new creation in your life. Will you hold on to that? If you do, God will lead you. If you hold on to that, you will see new life even today. Praise your holy name. So God, we thank you. Lord, as we walk out of this place today, may we take you fully with us, not leaving you behind at 8150 Oliver Road. And Lord, I pray that as we go out with you at the center of our relationship, that other people will take notice that there will be questions even today that are asked. What's different about you? And that the answer that would be on our lips would be, the spirit of the living God dwells in me.